morning. Uh, let's give it up for the worship team. That was outstanding this morning. How good was that? Lockie shredding it up up here. Great, some great songs there. And um, uh, it's a real privilege to be here, particularly on your, uh, your vision month and particularly focusing on um, uh, your missions. And uh, wasn't it great to see all the legends up here at the beginning of the service? Uh, haven't you got some people that are making a difference in our communities and in our worlds? Uh, for me, they're real Christians. Uh, for me, they're like uh, putting their money where their mouth is and, and uh, not just hearing about it, but actually going out there and having a bit of a crack. Uh, who, who knows there's a few needs in our community? Who knows there's, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good answer in God. Just, just on that too, how good's God, by the way? How good is He? Who's stoked that they're a Christian? Who's just stoked? Who's stoked that God reached out of heaven and saved you? Who's stoked God reached out of heaven and saved this guy down the front? Yeah, we're all thankful for that. But I mean, um, I'm just so stoked I'm saved. I mean, I come from a non-church background and I had a pretty sort of low, oh, a sort of bit of a sketchy view on the whole church thing. And I thought, you know, Christians were like Ned Flanders out of the Simpsons type fellas. And I thought you went to church because your mum major and uh, the average age was 97. Um, but uh, I just couldn't believe it. I went to church for the first time when I was 17 and uh, I walked into a church like this and I just, it blew me away. I just couldn't believe it. It was like, like a drum kit in church. Does the pastor know, you know? Where, where's the old lady with the blue rinse and the organ gone? You know, I was, going, I was just tripping out and there's like young people in church, you know, and people that like ride bikes and look like they're, they're bouncers, you know, tough blokes, you know, big guns on them. You know, what, what's going on? You know, I, and I just totally blew me away and like uh, people in church lifting their hands up and go, well, what's all that about? And, uh, but at the end of the service, they had this thing called an altar call, which is uh, basically a prayer to start your journey with God and to discover God for yourself. And I went, walked out the front of this church, uh, a thousand people I, I didn't even know, and uh, walked out the front and, and said a prayer. And the, the prayer was pretty much God... If you're real, I want to know you. God, if you're real, I want to know you. I don't want a church, I don't want a religion. But if you're real, I want to know who you are. And so from that, this revelation came in and God touched me. And it was like, oh no, he's real. I'm one, I'm one of those ones. One of those, oh no, what, what have I done? But, I, but something in me knew that, hey, he's real. And I sort of knew that back in the day. You know, I walked down the city mall in, in, Briz, in Brizzy and... Um, uh, there'd be all these street preachers out on the, on the street, you know, just preaching away. And I'd go to the other side of the mall and they have their minions over the other side and they'd give out these thing called tracks. Have you seen them? They're like these little pamphlets with like God stuff on it. And there's always like stick men that are trying to get across this canyon, but they can't get across. But then suddenly this big cross comes over and stick men can walk across it. And I thought, oh, great, Christians are good cartoonists. That's awesome. But anyway, they used to give me out these this tracks and, and uh, anyway, I got this bit of paper and stuff. But I went to throw it in the bin and I thought, oh, better not do that. If God's real, he's not going to like me throwing him in a bin, eh? So I went, oh, I'll put it in my pocket and I used to take it home and then mum would do the washing and it would get wrecked and i go, oh God, it's mum's fault, not mine, you know? <laughs> so obviously back in the day, there was a bit of a idea that there could be something out there. There could be uh, someone this God thing could be real. But then when I experienced myself, it was just amazing. And my whole worldview changed. I thought God was up there with a big stick, you know, waiting for you to walk out of line so he could bash you with it and kill all your fun. But 
Isn't it amazing how much fun being a Christian is? I have not lost so much sleep since I've been saved. I reckon if you're bored and you're a Christian, that's your fault, not God's. It is the most exciting adventure you could ever live, being a Christian. It's like a big game of where's Wally, but where's Jesus every day? As you experience this amazing thing. But, but the revelation I had straight up was this, and this scared me, is like this Jesus isn't just for me, he's for others. That was like brown undies time. That was scary. It was like, oh no, I've got to actually share this thing, you know. And I go, my, my parents are going to think I'm in a cult and my mates are going to think I'm an alien. And, and, but, uh, but what do you do as a Christian? And don't talented people make you sick. I mean, how talented is this guy? I mean, you know, I can sing, dance and play guitar all at the same time. I'm flat out clapping at the same time, let alone doing that. But I used to come into a church like this and sit in, sit in a seat and every week you hear great messages. And haven't you got an amazing senior pastor? Let's give it up, Pastor Kyle. Carl, how good. I mean, I haven't seen that many PowerPoints since uni. I mean, how, how, how intelligent, how well thought out is this guy? I mean, what an amazing leader that you guys have. Uh, but I used to come into church and see talented guys like these guys. I could barely put a PowerPoint together, let alone do something like that. And, and I used to say, well, what do I do? Because I, I know Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not, not for me just to come be entertained every week. There's a purpose, there's needs out there. Uh, God came with a mission. Have you heard this thing called the Great Commission at all? It's not the great suggestion, by the way, if you feel like it. Is there's a purpose for us, that I'm not a waste of space, that my life's more now than studying 20 years, working 40, retiring and dying. There's more to my life than that now. now I've got an amazing eternal purpose, but what do you do as a Christian? I remember coming to conferences and camps and getting inspired and hearing great messages, but I think, you know, I've got to do something. So I remember driving home down uh, Logan Road, or we call it Bogan Road, down in our area, and uh, past 7-Eleven. How good is 7-Eleven, by the way, eh? How good is 11? And uh, anyway, I was driving past 11 one night, and, and it's about 1 in the morning. There are all these skaters setting fire to these boxes down this side of LS11. As all good Christians do, I just kept driving straight past Anyway, felt God give me one of the biggest spiritual wedgies I've ever had in my lifetime. So reef me, a gulag, go back. And again, as all good Christians do, we just keep ignoring God's voice and keep driving. I got about three and a half k's down Bogan Road, and anyway, I went right. Oh God, I go back. So I reefed my Mazda 323 power around and legged it back into this sliver, and 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 ran down my window to these boys. I said, "Boys, what are you doing?" I went, "Nothing." I said, "Want to go for a skate?" I said, "Oh yeah, man, that'd be awesome." So I piled about 17 in my Mazda 3 to 3 power back in the day when you could do that. And uh, anyway, I went off to my local skate park and I ended up just picking up these skaters every Friday night and taking them skating. Sometimes there'd be like three would rock up, others 30 would rock up and I'd have to ring all my mates to come get cars to pick them up. But we did this every week and, uh, and for the first 15 months, none of them asked about God or asked about church or the the seventh seal of the book of tabernacles you know they didn't ask any they're too busy stealing change out of the center console of my car and and they'd hide their drugs at my mate's place and i'd hide their stash and find, hide it somewhere else and and they'd, they'd too busy getting me in trouble by filling up water bombs and hiding in my car and as we'd be driving old lady be walking a dog down the road in my rear vision mirror i see a skater hanging out my window with the biggest water bomb known to mankind and he just launched it and clocked this lady back of the head 
dog that way, blue rinse that way. And anyway, aren't, aren't Christian stickers great on the back of your car as you go straight past? But these punks used to get me in all sorts of trouble. And uh, we, we ran these club, youth clubs in the uh, next five years. We actually started another five of them. And uh, we saw quite a lot of kids start coming into church. And, and uh, can I say, like, uh, your uh, youth leaders deserve medals? Okay, anyone dealing with teenagers deserves medals. You need to be praying for these guys and give them whatever you, uh, they want because they're champions out there. There are so teenagers, you know, all, what an active bunch right here. Uh, but for me, um, you know, when my, my skaters got the year 12, they went to that really wholesome youth festival on the Gold Coast. We love to call schoolies week. Uh, how proud are we as Queenslanders to have that legacy to the rest of Australia? Here you go, here's schoolies week. But uh, and all my skaters went down there. I've been working with them for about five years. And when they went back down the coast, they invited me down. And I went, went, I went down the coast, and I hadn't been down there in years. I actually did two schoolies weeks myself. I repeated year 12, so I could do two. Uh, but when I went back down there, I just saw 30,000 on the Gold Coast running amok, like hanging off verandas and got sort of like chairs coming off buildings and had a bottle come off a building and hit my car and had this good water bomb hit me one night. I was under the awning of this, uh, this uh, footpath and a, one came from a floor of a building across the road, clocked me on the foot and went, it was a pretty good shot really, had to pay it. Then uh, I remember seeing these um, uh, Japanese tourists that had just flown into the Gold Coast in the middle of schoolies week, huddling their kids down Service Paradise Mall as thousands of schoolies are going past them chanting, let's go down the road, let's go down the road. That's where the schoolies were going, down the road. And um, anyway, I think they, they fly out of the Gold Coast thinking that's what Aussies are like and they're not half wrong. But I went to visit my skaters. I was staying in this building and uh, I went to get in. There was a huge security guard on the front unit. He was massive. He like no neck, band-aids on his knuckles because he drags them everywhere, you know. And, I, and then I went to get in. He goes, mate, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm like the youth worker to these skaters. I'm just going to look after them for you, mate. He goes, you can't come in here. I said, why not? He said, we need photo ID to get into this building. Because on the Gold Coast, what they do is they issue photo ID to every schoolie so they can't party crash each other's units during the night. But I'm arguing with this big unit going, mate, I know what these skaters are doing in your building. Believe me, I can do far more benefit up in those rooms than out here on the footpath. But he wouldn't budge. And I was ticked. I was spewing. Well, sort of not at him. I sort of went down the road and went, yeah, you think you're tough, mate, then legged it. Uh, but... I remember walking away thinking, I'm not going to let this Neanderthal tell me I can't look after my skaters. So I went to the hotel manager the next day and I said, do you want a hand at schoolies week? She goes, how much? I said, no, no, free. I sort of volunteer at a local church. I can bring some of my church mates down. She goes, oh, that sounds awesome. She goes, come into my office. Starts maybe like cups of tea and scones. I'm thinking, oh, this is all right, free food. And, and, then, and then she goes, oh, how many of your friends can you bring down with you? Went, oh, yeah, quite a few from a pretty big church. And just to give you an idea, like her building's like 417-year-olds in one building. And, and, and in every room, there's more alcohol and grog than you can throw your nana at. And then there's more other substances floating around that you care to mention. There's like two security guards and one hotel manager trying to keep a lid on 400. Now, I don't know if you've had five teenagers sleep over your house one night and picture what that looks like. But 30,000 on the Gold Coast. So managers were going, yes, please, can you come help us with this youth thing? And so um, I went back to Brizzy and we screen printed up all these uh, shirts called Hotel Chaplaincy. 
and we went straight back down the coast and we just started crashing parties. And we, we'd go floor to floor, finding kids passed down stairwells and we'd drag them back to their units. And we found this one guy passed down the lift with this bucket on his head. So we took him out of the lift so the lifts could close again. And, and uh, we'd find them passed out down on the, on the sand dunes and we'd take them off there so they wouldn't get assaulted. And, and uh, we'd find them uh, doing dangerous stuff over the railings and ledge walking on the outside of buildings. So we'd pull them off the ledges so they wouldn't kill themselves. But we're having trouble getting into rooms. They're a little bit sketchy on us for the first sort of 10 minutes before you could get in. I went to a mate, Lukey. I said, mate, it's got to be an easy way of getting into these rooms, mate. And so we went down to the local corner store and there was a big open box of these Allen's Red Frogs. You know, the big counter ones you see. We grabbed this whole box of frogs. Well, we paid for it first. And uh, we went back up to this unit. We just sort of jumped in the lift and we were, oh, yeah, floor 11 will do, ding. Doors open, empty beer cans in the floor, went right over here. Bit like man versus wall, but man versus schoolie, you know. Walk out, music belting through a door, went, yep, they're in that door. Knock on this door, little schoolie peers out and goes, who are you? And oh, hotel chaplaincy. Said, hotel what? I said, hotel chaplaincy. And he goes, hotel security? I said, no, mate, no, no. Do you want a red frog? And he goes, oh, red frogs, mate? Yeah, come on in, man. He's going, we got frogs. And they start coming off the veranda, grabbing handfuls of these red frogs. Then he gets on the phone to his mate's unit going, we got frogs. And they start coming up from downstairs and they're just grabbing handfuls of these things. And I'm just standing here in this big drinking party thinking, these things are amazing. So all you parents out there that have told your kids don't take lollies from strangers, yeah, it doesn't work, eh? So then I uh, went into the next room, which was like the naked room, all they were wearing were pots and pans and stuff. And, and there's a big unit with a saucepan full of alcohol and goes, drop a frog in the pond, mate, drop a frog in the pond. I go, mate, these things are amazing. So I got on the phone to our workers and said, buy the Gold Coast out of Red Frogs right now. So we went to every corner store and Woolies and Coles and we got 80 kilos of these Red Frogs. And they just got us into every party, just straight in, like even past some big security units that weren't letting us in. We walk up and they go, where are you going? Oh, visiting schoolies. Can't come in here, mate. Want a red frog? Oh, yeah, bro, yeah, bro, coming in, bro. <laughs> love language love language of uni of uh, security guards right there is uh, free food. And so we started with 17 workers and, and uh, 80 kilos. And the next year, more buildings rang us again. And they said, you're coming down again, Andy, to help out. And so we brought 45 workers back the next year. And we went through uh, 220 kilos of frogs. Then the next year, 90 workers and 440 kilos of frogs. Then 130 workers the year after that and 880 kilos of frogs. Then the year after that, 1.2 tonne of Allen's red frogs. Who knows when you bought a tonne of lollies, you can tick that box as a little kid, you know, one down own tonne of confectionery. Then we went to 2 .4, 3 .2, 4 .2, 5 .1, 6.1, 7.1 uh, tonnes of red frogs would go through, uh, looking after 70,000 schoolies. Uh, with over 1,500 volunteers and over 19 different schoolies events, including Bali now. We're our fourth year in Bali. We're about 5,000 go over there. Uh, also in Fiji, uh, right around Australia. We do uh, 48,000 uh, high schoolers we talk to with our high school presentations. And uh, amazing, um, uh, where's our local rep, Mark, our Ipswich coordinator. Let's give it up for Mark. What a champion. Give us a wave, mate. Where are you? Yeah, up there, 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 pointing. Oh, in the dark. Look at you stealthing. That's awesome. Um, he's, he's got a good head for radio, that fella. Awesome. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so Mark coordinates the teams from here that bring over 1,500 volunteers uh, down to schoolies week as so many kids from this region actually go down to schoolies. But then our high school education seminars, we teach them how not to get evicted from their hotel rooms and how not to, you know, turn your parents into grandparents over schoolies week, which is always good. Uh, then we uh, actually to also um, uh, go... We actually do seven entertainment stages around Australia called Red Frog Stages. And these have been amazing with our DJs and MCs. And we dance them on the beach for about five hours. It's taken about three to four hours off their drinking time back in the units. Because they come down, dance on sand for five hours, go back to kick on, but they're stuffed. It's awesome. They go to bed heaps early. But one of the coolest things, and I might get uh, this thrown up on screen, is our Red Frog stats. And uh, this is uh, from our Red Frog hotline. And what we have is a national hotline uh, all around Australia where you can ring uh, this hotline and get red frogs delivered to your schoolies party. Now, last year, it's a little bit hard to see there, but last year we had 9,618 call-outs on our red frog hotline. Now, that just that, I just want to pause there because uh, I don't come from a church background. The last thing I would have done at 2 in the morning in my drinking party is ring a bunch of Christians to come hang out with me. But 9,618 students did that. Isn't that amazing? And so we get some pretty classic call-outs. And actually, we do, we do actually uh, keen to get volunteers in our call centre over that time. It's based on the Gold Coast. And uh, we had this one bloke ring up and goes, oh, this is Red Frog Hotline. I said, yeah, buddy. He said, oh, I've got an emergency. So what's going on? Because I'm sitting on the toilet and I run out of toilet paper. <laughs> I said, mate, Red Frogs are pretty generous people, but we don't go that far, buddy. He goes, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay, I found a loaf of bread, then hangs up. Um, so it wasn't mouldy grain, you know. And then uh, another bloke ring up and goes, oh, is this the Red Frog Hotline? I said, yeah, buddy. He said, oh, mate. He goes, Look, do you guys do walk homes? Do you walk people home? I said, yeah, mate, we can walk you home. He goes, where are you? He goes, oh, mate, I don't know, I'll ask my mate. He goes, oh, mate, where am I? His mate goes, oh, you're already home. Oh, it's okay, I'm already home. So it's the quickest walk home we've ever done. But, but in that, we do get a snapshot of our youth culture. We do get a snapshot of our, our Aussie youth culture. Who's had a step back and had a look at our drinking culture at all? It's pretty whacked, eh? I mean, uh, Aussies and Kiwis are known all around the world for uh, their drinking. And, uh, and we, I don't know, a lot of countries too, uh, like Europe or overseas, if you're actually passed out in a gutter, with peas and carrots on you, it's actually quite frowned upon socially. In Australia, if you're passed out with a gutter with peas and carrots on you, Jono, what a legend. In other words, a lot of countries drink to enjoy. It's very cultural, but we drink to get maggot. We drink to get off our nut. We have this extreme drinking culture that, that makes alcohol the most dangerous drug in our nation. Uh, something like 70% of all hospital admissions on weekends are alcohol-related. Uh, it's a major factor in domestic violence, in one-punch incidents, in uh, sexual assaults, in, in uh, driving accidents. It is the most dangerous drug in our nation is alcohol by a long, long way. And so therefore, you know, we're, we're in there really making a difference. And, but in that also, the, so the teams got to 702 alcohol poisonings up in rooms last year, just in the right buildings, at the right floor, at the right time. Now, you don't have to go to schoolies to make a difference. You can pray for those teams. You can pray that they, they are in the right room, the right floor at the right time. And the amount of time we were making pancakes in this one room, as you can see on those stats there, we actually got 3,546 call-outs for random acts of pancakes. 
And uh, we do late night pancakes up in those rooms and, and bust them out looking after crew up there, puts food in while they're drinking. But we're doing um, pancakes in a room and all this water starts coming out on the tile floor. And uh, what had happened is old mate was passed, so drunk he passed out in the shower with his butt on the recess flooding the whole units. And the, the team got in and got him. We walked into one unit and a girl was so drunk she was slowly slipping underwater and our teams came in and grabbed her just at the right time. And it's just amazing. The guys got to 39 suicide ideations and, and a whole range of different issues they got to last year. And now with the largest support network in, unit, in schoolies in Australia, one of the largest educators in high schools on schoolies in Australia, but also universities. And uh, there's a university uh, in town here and we've got residential colleges and the team... Uh, from this church are also helping out in unis because for us schoolies is just pre-O week. O week is when they really go nuts through those university colleges with their toga parties and so we've launched into unis. We look after 289,000 in uni university students around Australia and 140 different halls of residence including the two here in Ipswich. Uh, also the, the uni programs become one of our bigger ones and I think there's a training night I think coming up on the, the 5th and 6th of June here on unis. But also we've gone into music festivals as well. And uh, as Pastor Carl was saying, we've got the Ipswich Cup coming up uh, on the thing 13th of June here. So we've gone into festivals and unis and all these things. Why? Because I ride a skateboard. Why? Because I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't put PowerPoint slides together like this bloke. I can't do that. That's their gifts. But for me, I can ride a skatey. I can take kids skateboarding. See, we cannot and must not and will not do nothing for this generation. God's given us eternity. God's given us his son. God's given us everything. And all he wants from us is us just to give a little bit back. And so, and a lot of times God's got given us gifts and talents and we don't even realize it. In each one of us, we all have gifts and talents that all make up this thing called the body of Christ. So it's not the individual personalities of Christ. It's the body of Christ. The church isn't walls, it's you. And so I take that personally. I understand I am the church. I am the body of Christ. So see, if my church sucks, that's my fault, not the pastor's. See, what am I doing about it? See, we all have gifts and talents to make a difference in our world. But my challenge to you this morning is what is your thing? What is your one thing? What is something you could use to start winning your world with? Who'd like to make a difference? Who'd like to have a crack and make a difference? Well, I'm just going to throw a few points out there this morning on how to impact and influence your world for good and for God. Does that sound good? A few tips from the boss frog. Let's have a look at this. Uh, let's have a look at Matthew uh, 20 and verse 28. Matthew 20, uh, 28 says this. It says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I'll read that again. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. You know, you know what my first point this morning, if we want to impact our world, if we want to make a difference, we need to learn how to serve and not suck. We need to learn how to serve. Who's met some really sucky Christians in their time? People that are like they're black holes. They suck the life out of everything. You know, I think the whole world revolves around them. No, 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 we're not coming to be served. What can you do for me? But it's how can I serve? See, this is the model Jesus sent, that he, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So if you want to win something, you serve it. If you want to win a skate park, you serve it. If you want to win a high school, you serve it. If you want to win a university, you serve it. If you want to uh, win uh, the, the people that are in need in the Sipswich race day, you serve it. If you want to win something, you serve it. And it's the most powerful tool you have is serving something to win it. If you want to win a generation, you serve a generation. Next point's this, oh, to make a difference in our world, here's a, this is really deep theology here, doing something is better than nothing. Doing something is better than nothing. You know what? I'm so glad that back in the day that I gave three hours of my week to take some grommy skating. And if I'm really honest, the rest of the week was all about me. The rest of the week was just what I wanted to do with my mates and my friends and my career and my goals. But I'm so stoked. For three hours of my week, I gave out my, I surrendered my skateboard and said, God, whatever you want to do, whosoever may come, I'll just look after whoever you bring. And did that every Friday night, week after week, month after month, doing skateboarding clubs for eight years before even this Red Frog thing started. But you know what? God just wanted something from me. God just wanted something where he could show me and teach me that I actually am, am, I, I can be used, that I do have a purpose, I do have a, a role to play in this whole thing, that I'm not just some waste of space, you know, floating through the universe. I have eternal purpose and, and, and to make a difference in my community. But see, what is your one thing? What is the something you could do? What is your gift and talents? For me, it was skateboarding. For you, it could be cars. You could just love cars. You could just be a petrol head, you know. Love looking under bonnets of cars. What's that? Metal stuff. Awesome. You know, that's your thing. We, we have a ministry in our church called Godspeed. And they actually come down here every uh, once a month to the, do lap switch down here. But they do the blockies down there on Thursday nights. And they set up a pancake station serving blokes. And they actually go around with big batteries because all their sound systems drain the batteries of the cars and all these flat batteries and they restart cars for them. So there's a ministry, they go to all the car meets. Cause what, why? Because they love cars. That's their ministry. So it could be uh, fishing, could be your thing. You might love fishing. You might own a boat. You might come, you know, to pass the car and go, look, I can't do this youth thing or worship thing, whatever, but I love fishing. How about once a month, I take some young kids out fishing, you know, with, with come to the youth pastor. So Maybe some kids that don't have dads, I can take them out fishing once a month. It could be cooking, could be your ministry. You might be the next master chef. You might make, you know, a hundred of the best muffins known to mankind and come down to Mark in the Red Frog teams that are going up to the uni colleges here, uni residents, and say every Tuesday, look, I don't want to go clean up vomit at two in the morning and do this Red Frog thing, but I'm going to bake you a hundred muffins, you know. As important it goes to Mark and not Lockie because only 60 would then make it out to the uni students. So, but Mark there, you know, so every Tuesday, you know what Tuesday would be known? up at these halls of residence in Ipswich, Muffin Tuesday. And they would smell them as they're coming in the dorm rooms, as the smell would go down the corridor. You're reaching hundreds of students every week. Why? Because you bake. See, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do something. See, my challenge to you is what's in your hand today? What has God put in your hand today? We get a bit too spiritual, church. We get a bit too spiritual sometimes. We don't realize that all these passions and gifts and talents, everything natural God can breathe on and create a supernatural impact from something so natural as that. And you know the best evangelist in your home isn't actually you, it's your fridge. Did you realize that? As you have people around, 
You know, food's such a massive weapon, but what is your one thing? What is the thing that you could do? And the other point, too, uh, this morning, as we're just running out of a bit of time, thank you for your leeway, boss, is this, I believe a real key to impacting your world is this, is as you're faithful in the little things, God will then trust you with the big things. In Luke 16.10, and I'll just read this one, Luke 16.10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you're not being faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? You know what? We need to be so faithful in the little things. See, God didn't just say, here you go, Andy, here's a, like a national ministry and you know, reaching thousands, ten, hundreds of thousands of students and all these things. He goes, here you go, here's a smelly skater that's going to steal from you. Look after this guy for five years. See, how faithful are you in the little things? See, if he can't trust you in the ones, how can he give you the fives and tens and the tens and twenties? Who, who would love to see this church grow, by the way? Who'd love to see it double? Pastor's hand was first up, that's good. You know, you know what, it's not hard if we all love on one. It's not hard if we just did one. And then God didn't make this thing complicated, but who are your ones? Who are the ones God's put on your heart? Is it that work colleague? Is it that person in uni? Is it that schoolmate? Who are the ones God's put on your heart to love on and show them who Christ is in a real way? And if you all do our ones, our churches will double. Our youth ministries will double. So it's not hard. Who are the ones God's got? Who will be faithful in the little things? So today, my, my challenge to you is learn to serve. We need to learn to serve as a local church. We need to learn to serve our community, serve our generation, to win our generation. But what is the one thing? What is something this year you could come down to the, the, the youth team or the uni team or whatever it is and say, hey, look, this is my gift I'd like to do. I, I'm very busy. I might be able to do it every once a month. But what is your one thing you could do and who are your ones? Who are those significant ones God's bringing to you? You know your pathway to your dreams and, pe- uh, and future is in people and they're all around you. And, and, and he will give you some of the most interesting characters just to refine God's love in your life. Who knows God does that? He loves testing us. But he's refining us. He's, he's, he's deepening our foundations because the taller the building, the deeper the foundations must go. So as I hand it back to Pastor Carl, I just want to uh, pray uh, for you guys and I'll just pray over this church. Thank you, Father, for this amazing congregation that, that is clearly a world-changing church, which is clearly a community-impacting church. We pray a blessing over every community group represented on these stalls. And God, as we walk past them today, Father, I pray that you put uh, some of these dreams and passions, you'd ignite them in our hearts. God, I just pray that you would reveal to every single person in this room what their one thing is, what is something they could do to start reaching out and making a difference in their world. And Father, I just pray for those ones they've also that you put on their hearts, that you'd quicken it to them this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, thank you, church.